Hey everyone, my name is Dr. Jules Cormier. I'm a doctor, teacher, and nutritionist, and I help people put more plants on their plates. Evidence-based nutrition gave me my life back, and I'm here to tell you all about it. out is wrong and why a calorie isn't always a calorie. Now, I'm not pretending to defy the laws of thermodynamics, but simply want to catch your intention and explain how there are nuances to keep in mind when considering calories. Now, a calorie is the amount of energy that's stored inside the chemical bonds that make up our foods. And when we digest them, we release that energy and then can use it for our own bodily functions. So let me explain how calories from whole plant foods behave differently from the processed foods that most people consume. Now, I'm sure you've heard it before, calories in must increase equal calories out, otherwise you'll gain weight. Now, this is true, but it's only partly true, and there is some nuance to keep in mind. The saying, a calorie is a calorie, assumes that a calorie coming from any food source, whether it's french fries or a salad, will behave the same way once it makes it into our bodies. Now, let's be clear. 700 calories coming from french fries will not impact your weight, metabolism, and hormones the same way the 700 calories coming from carrots, for example. I wouldn't want someone looking to lose weight to choose processed foods instead of eating the same amount of calories from whole foods, thinking that their impact on weight gain or weight loss will be the same. I do understand that people love hearing good news about their bad habits, so I'm sure that people would love to, in, to hear that uh, 700 calories from french fries is exactly the same when, when considering its impact on weight as 700 calories from whole foods. Now, the reason I want to spend some time diving into this is that I've already had patients tell me that they avoid super healthy foods like nuts, seeds, legumes, and some whole grains because they're calorie dense. People assume that if they count calories and are in a calorie deficit, they'll automatically lose weight, which is true, but only partially true. And I do agree that if you eat a calorie-deficient diet, you will lose weight. But it's important to remember that calories behave in a much different way in our body depending on what food they come from. So, let me explain. When you eat white rice, you're eating a processed food. The husk, bran, and germ of the rice has been removed to make it more shelf-stable and to prevent spoilage. This also removes the fiber and most of the vitamins and minerals that were attached to it. But lack of micronutrients, which are vitamins and minerals, isn't the only problem with processed white rice or any other processed food for the matter. 
Processing has made the grain so easily digestible that we can convert it rapidly into glucose, and this causes a quicker rise in blood sugar than its unprocessed counterpart, brown rice. This is exactly what the glycemic index measures. It describes the speed and level with which the blood sugar rises after eating a specific food. So foods that have a higher glycemic index will affect the body's response differently. For example, the blood sugar rise seen with white rice is faster and higher than that seen with brown rice. The ensuing insulin spike will be higher with white rice than brown rice, and the body body will be jolted into a calorie and fat storage mode in response to insulin, which is a major risk factor for diabetes, obesity, and cardiovascular disease. For people eating in a calorie excess, high glycemic index foods like fast foods or other processed foods have been proven to actually increase appetite. This is a major barrier and a reason that it becomes so difficult for people trying to lose weight. Imagine trying to stay in a calorie deficit while eating a ultra-processed diet. The actual foods that you're trying to limit are increasing appetite and are lacking in so much nutrition that they're trying to convince your nutrient-starved self to eat more. The fact that foods with an High glycemic index increased appetite is well studied. The slow and steady rise in blood sugar that we see with brown rice will lead in the same slow and steady rise in insulin, and this lowers the risk of consuming excess calories. It also lowers the insulin spike and lowers the diabetes, obesity, and cardiovascular disease risk. Two to three hours after eating brown rice, the fiber that unfortunately we've removed in white rice will make its way through the colon where it will feed our gut bacteria. After feasting on fiber, our friendly gut bugs will produce compounds called postbiotics, specifically short-chain fatty acids. These compounds will then send satiety signals which are feelings of fullness after a meal, to our brain. You heard that right. Feasting on fiber at noon will not only make you feel fuller right now, but it will also decrease hunger, slow down digestion, and limit calorie intake at our next meal too. 300 calories of white rice is not metabolically equivalent to 300 calories of brown rice. They're not digested the same, they're not absorbed the same, and their impact on subsequent calorie intake is not the same. So 300 calories of one food isn't always equivalent to 300 calories of a different one. So you can now imagine why High glycemic processed foods have been found to have metabolic and hormonal effects that tend to promote excessive eating, while low glycemic index foods coming from whole sources actually do the opposite. So, after considering the glycemic index of a food, it's not only the calories you eat that matter, but the ones you absorb. Imagine this. 
You overindulge in tasty foods like blueberries or corn on the cob. We gulp them down, we swallow them some whole, practically not even chewing between bites. Then, next time we go to the bathroom, we see bits and pieces of these very foods, undigested pieces of blueberries and corn in our stools. Now, these are calories that have passed straight through us. And by flushing them down, you're clearly not absorbing them. But processed foods are so manipulated and refined that their calories are extremely easy to digest, break down, and absorb. And virtually no calories from our processed foods make their way down to our colon, having been rapidly and almost 100% digested and absorbed in our small intestine. Basically, we absorb almost all of the calories we eat from processed foods. None of them will be left over to feed our good gut bugs and uh, produce short-chain fatty acids through uh, fermentation in our colon. I had a an encounter with one particular patient where she asked where she could find beneficial fats in her diet. And I recommended, well, consider trying nuts and seeds and walnuts uh, to be specific. The patient said that she thought nuts were unhealthy. They were calorie dense, were filled with fat, and so she avoided eating them. Now, this is a classic example of misinformation. Now, what she didn't realize is that for one, People who eat nuts and seeds tend to live longer. They also have slower rises in blood sugar. Nuts and seeds have low glycemic index. And also, when we digest them, we don't absorb them completely. Microscopic pieces or particles of nuts will make their way into our colon and also serve as food for our gut bugs. Now, our gut bugs will reward us with beneficial short-chain fatty acids that'll get in our circulation and circulate all throughout our body, sending signals of fullness that's going to slow down digestion and help us eat less calories at the next meal. So does that mean that 300 calories of nuts isn't the same as 300 calories of peanut butter? Exactly. Now, experiments have shown that the more processed the foods are, the less chance that they're going to make their way to our colon to feed our good gut bugs. And if our good gut bugs don't get fed, they don't produce short-chain fatty acids that will subsequently decrease calorie intake. So, try to choose whole, minimally or unprocessed versions of foods first. Choose to eat nuts instead of nut butters if you're counting calories. Swap your refined grains for whole grains. Eat brown rice or quinoa instead of white rice. Try to choose whole wheat pastas or lentil pastas or chickpea pastas instead of white flour pastas. Try to eat whole wheat bread instead of white bread. All ways to reduce the processing of the food so that more of the fiber is preserved and will make its way down to your colon where it feeds your good gut bugs, keeps your microbiome healthy, and helps decrease subsequent calorie intake at your next meal. 
Now, I could go on and on and give a hundred other examples of how calories from whole foods aren't absorbed or metabolized the same way as calories from highly processed foods. But I think you get the point. Calorie deficits are necessary for weight management. But that really becomes more of an issue if your diet is centered around processed foods. Whole plant foods are almost engineered by nature to be impossible to overeat. We know that the longest living populations on the planet regularly consume calorie and nutrient-dense whole foods like nuts, seeds, whole grains, and legumes. So I find it very sad when I hear people say that they're avoiding these life-prolonging foods just because of their calorie density. And that's exactly why I'm saying a calorie is not always a calorie. There are nuances and it depends on the type of food we're eating. So if your goal is specifically to lose weight while getting healthier, focus on whole plant foods. They've basically been engineered to be impossible to overeat. Now, it'll take probably two hours of constant chewing to eat 200 calories of carrots. And 200 calories of carrots would make about four cups, which will fill your stomach to the brim. So would 200 calories of strawberries. Now, a full stomach full of spinach, almost a liter of spinach, is like 50 calories. So... Keep in mind that some foods are almost impossible to overeat. But processed foods have their fiber removed, so their calories are concentrated. Try to focus on minimally processed foods if you can. And although processed foods and highly processed foods can have their place in a normal, natural, healthy dietary pattern... The point I want to put across is that most people get over 60 to 70% of their calories from ultra-processed foods, when maybe we should be getting 5-10%. In a perfect world, 90% of your calories would be coming from whole plant foods, including plant protein, and if you want to eat a little bit of animal products and uh, ultra-processed foods, try to keep the calories coming from these foods to a minimum. But you're human. Our social lives revolve around food. We celebrate with food. We use food when we're sad, when we're happy. And food is a part of our culture. So it's normal to indulge in the occasional ultra-processed food. That's not the issue. The issue is that we're eating three to five times and that more than three quarters of our, of our calories are likely coming from processed sources instead of whole sources. In the standard American diet, less than 10% of calories are coming from whole plants. Now we need to be flipping that ratio around and increasing the amount of calories coming from whole plants to anywhere upwards of 60, 70, and in a perfect world, maybe even 90% of our calories. 
Now, if you've listened to my podcast before, you've listened to my to my breakdown of the transitioning process in four simple steps, with the first step being reducing ultra-processed foods. That's where you're going to get the most bang for your buck in terms of your health. So if going full plant is a little bit intimidating for you now, that is normal. Try to focus on adding healthier foods instead of removing some. By adding health foods, you'll naturally crowd out the unhealthy ones. So try to make smart swaps. Try to take the ultra-processed foods that you're already eating and try to find minimally processed versions of these foods instead. So for example, in a perfect world would be reducing sugar-sweetened beverages. But instead of uh, drinking sug- sugary sodas, maybe try diet sodas. Instead of juices, maybe try flavored water. Instead of processed meats, try to find less processed meats, like lean cuts of meats or dairy and eggs. Instead of white flour breads and pastas, aim for whole wheat versions. There's even chickpea pasta lentil pasta, edamame pasta, even whole wheat pastas that are less processed. Try to switch your white rice for brown rice or even quinoa. Try baked potatoes or sweet potato fries instead of french fries. And even try to make a homemade salad dressing or make sauces out of nuts like cashews. You can find all these recipes on my website and you can download my free ebook there. Remember that the healthiest foods usually only have one ingredient and most don't even come with an ingredients list at all. Changing is hard and it's normal to want to avoid behaviors that create friction with your life. And that's why the first step is not to focus on removing and avoiding certain foods, but simply making smart swaps in what you already eat. Try to focus on making one small change and sustaining it for a few weeks before making the next one. As I've stated before, I'm a pretty intense person. I recognize that to make the change sustainable, I would have to make small changes over time. And the way I did this was by making one small change every single month. And 18 changes later, I was 18 months in on a whole food plant-based diet. If you want to go quicker than that, you go ahead. But if you go too quick and increase the amount of fiber too quick, you'll suffer from bloating, from abdominal discomfort, and this will create friction in your life. If you go full plant too quickly and you haven't pre-planned for vacations and for bloating and for social outings at the restaurant, this will create friction in your life. So try to make small changes until you find your own personal sweet spot. Change is dose dependent. That means that the more that you make some, the greater the benefits. Plant-based diets aren't black or white. They're dietary patterns where the majority of calories are coming from whole plants. 
Now, I decided to go all in and obtain a 100% of my calories from whole plants. But maybe that doesn't align with who you want to be. Maybe you're comfortable with stopping at 70%. Maybe you're comfortable with going 50%. Any movement towards the right side of the spectrum is good. And considering that most people eat a standard diet, get about 10% of their calories from whole foods, any increase in the amount of calories you're getting from whole plant foods is a win. (laughs) So focus on changes that you're able to make now. Once these changes are consolidated and they're in your routine and they're second nature, then make another one. Don't try to go all in too quickly unless you really are confident that you're, you've pre-planned the process and that you're able to do it. But the human brain is very complex. Life throws curveballs in our way. So if you don't anticipate barriers and obstacles in your way, uh, it'll be very difficult to sustain drastic changes made in a, in a small amount of time. So my suggestion to you is slowly increase the amount of plants on your plate over time. All right, so that wraps up our episode on why a calorie isn't always a calorie and why it depends on what you're eating. Calories from whole foods do not behave the same way as calories from ultra-processed foods once we eat them. And that the goal of achieving a better health is simply making small, mindless micro-choices that add up over time. So I hope this episode has helped you gain insight into how to improve the quality of your diet. And I hope you tune in to the next one. Thank you so much. Peace. Yo, plant-based buddies. Don't forget to go check out my website, plantbaseddrjules.com. That's where you'll find links to download my free recipe book, my transitioning guide, and my supplement guide for athletes. And there, you'll also find links to future live events, to my YouTube channel, my social media handles, my blog, and even my other podcast episodes. Now, stay on the lookout for my upcoming e-course, where we'll be using video courses to teach you everything from nutrition science to how to cook and create amazing plant-based meals. And the best way of showing some support is by going to Apple Podcast or Spotify by subscribing and leaving a five-star review for this podcast. Right on. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you in the next episode. Peace.